This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 377. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I am your host, Riley Bowman, and I will be rather brief uh, with the introduction of this episode, this being Christmas Eve 2019. Many of you may be on the road or doing various preparations for the Christmas holiday, and I hope wherever you are and whatever you're doing that it is all going very well and very smoothly. I want to wish everyone a merry, merry Christmas, and I hope that everything is just awesome with you and your loved ones. This episode is brought to you by, first and foremost, thetigenfoundation.org. This fantastic nonprofit organization dedicated to our wounded veterans and first responders, providing all kinds of assistance, rehabilitation, reintegration, and healing for veterans returning from tours of service, and helping them get back to living the best normal lives that they can. Uh, this organization founded by John Tigan, who is my special guest that I had the pleasure and privilege of interviewing at the Ballistic Summit put on by Lucid Optics just a little bit ago. And John was so kind to give me of his time, and we want to promote his wonderful foundation. Again, the thetigenfoundation.org. So please head on over. Give them some of your love and support, especially during this holiday season. I know it'll be greatly appreciated. And also, we do our best to bring to you quality content. So head on over to GuardianNation.com. That is our membership that we offer here at ConcealedCarry.com. And there's lots of great special members-only content available in the members dashboard area, along with all the other many great benefits, discounts, products, etc. So appreciate your support. It allows us to continue doing what we do here. And I am not going to be long-winded about this at all. So we are going to jump right into this special interview with John Tigan. Again, Merry Christmas, everyone. Enjoy this interview. Hey, folks, I'm sitting here with John Tigan at the uh, 2019 Ballistic Summit put on by Lucid Optics. And John has so graciously agreed to sit down and, and have a chat, which yeah. I'm really thrilled about because... Yeah. I kind of get the impression, John, that you just, you're not a real talkative guy. Not normally, no. <laughs> so, you know, to put you on a podcast where like all you can do is talk, you know, that's yeah. a big deal to me. Can't just sit there and smile no more. Smile and, you know, I guess we could sit there and listen to you breathe, breathe. through your mouth. Just do the heavy breathing. <laughs> oh, we have uh, one, of your, one of your littles over here. Yeah, brought the twins with me so they can do a little pew-pewing. Which they were, and yeah. uh, I thought it looked really great. Yeah. Actually, uh, I was just talking the other night on the podcast with somebody else about you know getting our kids involved from an early age with uh, shooting and education and with firearms and all that stuff. And uh, I mean, just real quick, what, what are your thoughts on getting kids started? Uh, I started mine the first time they shot an AR was three and a half. <laughs> nice. So I don't yeah. believe in early age learning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did. I mean, I think it's, especially if you have guns, I don't think you should hide them all the time. I yep. think it should be visible and they should see them all the time because then they don't get curious anymore. Right. Let them, let them touch them, let them feel them, you know, and just, you know, like I got them, uh, their very first rifle obviously was a cricket. You know, I kind of said, here you go, have a gun. You know, this is what it is. Just kind of 
toy around with it a little bit. Then okay, all right, now you got to treat it as a real gun. This is what you do. This is how you do it. This you know, keep your finger off this, yep. you know. And you know, I got him a pistol. Did the same thing because I think it just takes that curiosity and kind of takes the real excitement out of it. Oh, it's a real gun and. Mm-hmm. You know, again, I let him play with it for a little bit. And Colonel wasn't like really stupid, but you know, I let him play with it almost kind of like a, not, not like a toy, but almost so they can kind of fiddle around, oh, check it out, look at mm-hmm. it. Okay. Now you don't get to do that no more. This is what yep. you do. So they kind of know the difference between a real gun and a toy gun. I've taken them out and I've shot real animals with it and I've shown them what a 300 does. Well, mainly prairie dogs I had a huge prairie dog problem. Mm. So I shot with 300, you know, a five, five, six, um, nine mil and, a six and a half showed them exactly what a real bullet does and a 22 and they're just kind of like it kind of then they i think it it takes again that curiosity out of it and then they really knew it because it's they're i mean they were i think four years old when i did that with them so they really know what a real gun does to a a living creature and again it's one of those things you can't take it back they can't come back alive they're gone yeah so absolutely that's great that's great education too uh you know my goal with my own kids is to sort of have to view it as a tool. It's just, yeah. you know, we have hammers, we have axes, we have chainsaws, we have shovels and the gun has its purpose. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they see me carrying a gun on me every day. Yep. That's just part of my lifestyle. And they don't even think about it. They don't even question it. It's not even like you said, curiosity factor. Yeah. So I like people, they, I think they, I don't know, they get too, they treat it as like a, kryptonite to there's a lot of a lot of people yep. doing as a kid you know you can't do it because it, it just you want to be yeah people like just really really strict really really strict and i think it just it's it's a bad wave to get on i think yep. i think just let them touch it let them feel it let them kind of fool around with a little bit and obviously it's not loaded <laughs> there's no ammo in the room whatsoever and again it just takes it out and go to the range with them they're fine with it they don't fool around mm-hmm. and you know yeah it was really cool watching you uh, work with your son on yeah. uh, pistol. He, he was shooting a nine millimeter. Yep. And uh, also a twenty two a little bit. Yep. And they both had optics, which I noticed you were shooting. And so, of course, this is the this is the Lucid Optics event. And uh, you were plinking around with that nine millimeter. Uh, I think that's the Q five Walter Q five. And you took a few shots, and I was seeing you you were drilling the steel, ping, 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 and you're like. Dang, <laughs> I need to get an optic. Yeah, <laughs> I got kind of like red shooting dot my yeah, pistol. <laughs> I do, you know. But it, I, you know, I got you know my eyes ain't ain't as good as they used to be, so I really right. get no side picture, side alignment with the pistol because the front sight, rear sight, it's just kind of is meshes together. So yep, half the time I'm just Kentucky windage when I see a well, okay, where'd it go? Okay, so but the red dot definitely, yeah, I, I like the red dot. Yeah, yeah, but unfortunately for the competition that I shoot in, I can't use the red dot. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of sucks. <laughs> you can always uh, change, you know. Well, yeah, go to but, a different division. <laughs> well, there is no other division. It's just the tactical games. What do you? Oh, tactical games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's so. right. Which you have won, I, I, if yep. I remember correctly. Yeah, I did. Yeah, so. that's that's quite a, a feat. Yeah, it, especially less about six months after pec and shoulder surgery. <laughs> <laughs> I, so. I heard a story about that, and uh, basically, I think. Someone described you to me as being a machine. <laughs> I don't know about that. I think it's probably stupid more like it. Because <laughs> well, I, I, I didn't do the one. They had one in Meridian, which I just, just tore it just before that, and I didn't compete. I didn't know how bad I tore it, so I finally got the MRI. 
talking with the doctor. He said, yeah, you definitely tore it. And I say, well, I got this competition. Is Can I compete in it? He's like, well, you already tore it. So we have to do what surgery. Do? Yeah. He's <laughs> like, it's, I mean, if it, it may just roll up, it's going to take just amount of time. So I was like, oh, screw it. So I did it. <laughs> I almost won that one too, but mm-hmm. they, they lost one of my, one of my scores and I, whatever. I didn't, I don't really, I just like doing it. I think yeah. it's fun. Yeah. And I did uh, try to do the monkey bars. That was a big mistake. That mm. hurt. That, <laughs> I fell off of that because I could yeah, that one mm. hurt. But, yeah. Dang, man. It was a lot of I, – I used to enjoy it. It's a fun competition. Yeah. I'd like to check that out sometime. I had some friends that were there competing, and it uh, looked like a lot of fun. You know, just kind of looking at social media posts and stuff and videos. Yeah. and yeah. Definitely be fit. Yeah. It makes it a lot easier and a lot more fun. <laughs> <laughs> Which is not how I describe myself right now, but maybe I'll maybe I'll plan to try to make that and uh, and and then use that as a an encouragement to get more fit than I than I currently am. Anyway, <laughs> so um, I, I've I've seen you shoot a little bit of three gun as well. Yeah. Uh, you probably didn't know I was just kind of lurking. I yeah. you know checking out one of the, the stages and saw you there shooting. I'm like, oh, that's cool. You know, I, I love seeing guys like you. Uh, that have been overseas, that have been involved in various operations and, and things, and and back here on the home front and doing something positive and uplifting and hopefully enjoyable. I mean, I think three guns fun as heck. Yeah, but, I think it is. It's kind of therapeutic for me. So yeah, I enjoy it. Awesome. Except for the shotgun, I don't really care for the shotgun. <laughs> Which I agree with you on there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I love shooting the carbine. I love shooting the pistol. <laughs> the shotgun. shotgun. Yeah, I just got into the three gun because I was like. Well, it's an opportunity to shoot the rifle and the pistol. Okay, I will. I'll, I'll just I'll shoot the shotgun just to shoot the shotgun. It's like you go to a stage. You got okay. <laughs> all you need is you got eighteen targets. The shotgun holds eleven rounds. Well, it's supposed to like eight plus one, I think, to start or, or something like that. Yeah. So anyway, so you got eighteen targets, and I'll have like seventy-eight shells on me because ninety percent of them will drop anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Garage sale. Yeah, it's it's bad. Yeah, I'm, I'm bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right, man. So at least you're getting out there and doing stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, it's fun. So, um, so tell us about your foundation. I think the work you're doing there is really important. Yeah, it's a, it's called a beyond the well, beyond the battlefield, the Tigan Foundation, mm-hmm. um, and we help veterans and first responders. Our main focus is to try to get them service dogs if they need them. But we also, I mean, we pretty much just do whatever we can when we can. You know, we've buried veterans. We've helped them with food bills, utility bills, helped one get a new house, uh, re- remodeled one house for a veteran whose house got uh, destroyed in a hurricane, you know, um, sent guys through TBI, PTS treatments, even off a lot of, couple of cops, they've come. Um, and they're, they try to be actually more secretive than veterans do mm. because some of them are still on the job. Like, hey, I got to take, mm. I need something and I don't know where to go. It was like, it's kind of mm. weird that cops are like, we have no program. We have, we right. can't, there's nowhere for us to turn. So, and everybody's afraid of their job being in jeopardy. Yeah. Which it, it's wrong because <laughs> once you get the treatment, you get your 100% better at, at your job because you can focus on what you need to be focusing on. And mm. they get that stigma where it's, it's a bad thing. It shouldn't be a bad thing. You know, it's just, it all is, it's just stress. I don't, that's why I never really say PTSD. I don't, it's not a disorder. It's just, it's stress that people handle it in different ways. You know, a lot of times it's something that you um, happened to you in your childhood, and then something something else kind of happens in your adulthood, and you, it kind of gets triggered, and 
it's kind of one of those things that sits in the back of your mind. You not you don't really realize what's processed, and mm. a lot of times guys go through counseling, and that's really what it is. It's not really what you saw in combat. A lot of times, it's it's weird. I mean, that's taught a lot of guys I've talked to. That's how they describe what, what the issue was, and really what they went through there. It's what they went through as a childhood, and just kind of meshed it together, and kind of really screwed up their heads, and they didn't really realize it until they actually sat down and started going through the counseling. Mm. Wow. I've been involved in a couple other organizations and foundations uh, related to mental health and trying to destigmatize things, you know, as far as that's concerned. You know, again, I've worked a little bit in law enforcement and and I know exactly what you're talking about as far as guys are afraid to appear soft, Mm -hmm. to appear in any way, shape or form, you know, mentally unfit for duty to do their job. And it is, I think, shameful as far as the the stigma the stigma that exists a lot of times, especially, I mean, some of those prof- professions where you're expected to be, you know, tough on the outside, you know, like you're, you're this hard shell that, you know, you're not supposed to let anything affect you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so how, what is the primary, uh, I mean, how, how do you generate funds for your, for your foundation? I'm curious. You, you got a lot of work going on there and that, that takes resources. So yeah, a lot of times if we, uh, <clears throat> Well, uh, well, Gunny uh, Newton, one of the guys we got the the new house for, you know, we kind of pushed it out on social media and said, hey, we got this this guy, this veteran, he needs a home. We're just we're trying to raise mm-hmm. funds. So sometimes we'll do raise funds that way or we'll do fundraisers. Um, it's easier for us. We don't really do our own. We're, we actually reach out to other people and say, hey, or people reach out to us really and say, hey, let us, let us host a fundraiser for you. Mm-hmm. So it kind of lets us do our thing and they're, they're kind of – wherever city they're in, they're processing, they're getting all the sponsors because it's local. You know, I can't, yeah. I can't go from Colorado Springs to go do a fundraiser in Boca Hole, Wyoming. Cause I don't live there. I don't know anybody that's there. I don't know, you know, so it's hard for us to do that. Otherwise we'd just be in Colorado Springs, always doing a fundraiser there, which, you know, yeah, it's not a bad thing, but you want to help spread and you know, everybody wants to help. And then you actually get more funds and you get more recognized. So, that's the majority of the way that we've actually gotten a lot of our funds. Other people have been hosting fundraisers for us, and we just mm. kind of show up. And usually I'll do a speech or we'll bring another veteran in or even a first responder in, and they'll kind of talk about their stories and stuff like that. Mm. So that's that's kind of how we do it. Like uh, one in Orlando we just did, it was a motorcycle club that held a fundraiser. It was a two-day fundraiser kind of. It was One day was like a motorcycle ride and then a mm. VIP, and then the second day – um, it was a that was the main uh gala, I guess mm. you could say, and so that's kind of how they did that one. So it just yeah. depends on how they want to do it, and that's how we'll do it. And it's 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 worked out so far pretty that's good. That's great. That's awesome. And then obviously we got our website. And people just go on the website, which mm-hmm. is thetigenfoundation.org, and they donate through there. The tigenfoundation.org. Yeah. So got to have the the in there. The yeah. All right, and Make it's T I E G E N. Yep. Okay. So. Uh, that's, well, there you go, folks. You should head on over to the tigenfoundation.org. Yep. Okay. Making sure I got it right. And consider, uh, struggling at the words of my mouth. Again, (laughs) we just had lunch and the brain is shut down as the body processes the food. Anyway, head on over there and give us some support. Yeah. We're a uh, 501c3, all of our board members, which is really just two people. It's my wife and uh, another gentleman named Jeff Lugwig, and nobody gets paid. It's all, everything that we get goes right back. 
Hmm. So there, there isn't no Wounded Warrior Project thing going on at all. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's really good to know, and and I love to see that. I mean, what have you seen as you have worked with veterans, first responders through treatment? Like, what what do you? I mean, obviously, there's got to be some personal satisfaction there, right? To see people be able to, I guess, be more functioning, um, to be able to co- cope with things better. Yeah, I think focus yeah. better. I mean, like, what do you? Can, I mean, can you I'm, share with us some of your success. I, do, I guess I do get gratified. Obviously, I keep doing it. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it it is itself, you know, fulfilling. And but I, you know, just seeing the, how they change and uh, their reaction, like the, the hyperbaric chamber, we just sent two veterans through that, and mm. you know, half their pain meds they came off. Yeah, I mean, that right there. That's just a huge difference. Well, for people that don't know, what does that do for them? Um, it re- it uh, heals the body from from the cell level up. And, it, and they're inside of a, a hyperbaric chambers where they they send a lot of scuba divers to get the bends. So it takes mm-hmm. them below sea level and pressurized 100% pure oxygen. So it's just flooding your system with that pure oxygen, and, and you know it's just rebuilding everything a lot faster. Mm. A lot of football players they use it for injuries because yep. it, again it heals the body from the inside. Um, and also we had them go through a, mm. the thing called the neurofeedback, which was kind of this one was weird. I did that one too. You're watching the screen. They put all these freaking droids on your head, and they 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 control the the waves, I guess, in your brain through the currencies or current, yeah, electrical current or something like that. And they can literally, like, in like two minutes, make you go to sleep. It's so freaking weird. I went in there one time, mm. wide awake, like this ain't gonna work. About five minutes, I'm ready to go to sleep. But they're reprogramming mm. your brain to back yeah. the way it should have been before. Usually, it works for a lot for TBI. That's why I went and have a mm-hmm. pretty bad TBI. And, but, you know, it helps you sleep, helps you concentrate a little bit more and stuff like that. So, mm. but yeah, just to watch the difference uh, between veterans that we know we've sent through treatment, it's, yeah, it's a pretty good feeling and mm. seeing how well they're doing. Yeah. But again, everybody, I would just say, don't go to one program and say it didn't work. It's not for me and quit because not every program is for every individual. Mm. There's, that's why I, if it doesn't work, go to another one find one that's going to work. It may not be counseling. It could be hyperbaric. It could be the neurofeedback. It could be all those. I can't remember them now. Uh, they got like the VA has got a bunch of the strobe stuff going on. Mm-hmm. You know, each individual is different. So not one program is fix all. It just, yeah. it's impossible. But you might find that one thing that does work for you. Yeah. It might take you 10 <clears throat> times, but just don't stop, you know, mm-hmm. keep looking. Yeah. And, and really, I guess the important thing is to actually get help. Yeah. Yeah. That, that you need not try to, bury or imagine those problems aren't there yeah hmm. you know and to me I, sometimes i honestly i don't you know like the 22 a day i really don't think a lot of guys who end up do kill themselves i don't think it's really what they did over there mm-hmm. i think it's their home life that kind of triggers the, mm-hmm. the suicide portion that's that's my belief because it it seems like it, once once something starts going bad it's just it's a domino right. effect, and once the family back home, once you start that fight, that process, and I think that's really what causes them. It, the what they did overseas, yes, that is the the beginning of it, but it's the home life I think that really triggers the the twenty two. Mm-hmm. That's my opinion. Yeah, well, I think that, that there's pro- that, that makes a lot of sense to me. You know, you have people that uh, if if everything seems like it's not going well and there's no hope left, yeah. you know, like. They're just done. Yeah. 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 Everybody needs a support system. Yep. And the problem is when that support system seems like it's not there or it's crumbling. 
Yeah. yeah. That's why I say, man, if you feel, reach out because you're, you're going to find that support system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Stuff only sucks for a little bit. Yeah. Now, if you had a veteran, I know we have veterans listen to this podcast that uh, was interested in, in what you're able to do for folks, uh, how, how would they go about seeking that, that help? Yeah, you contacting us um, yeah. either through my Instagram. That's a yes, but <laughs> I get a lot, so I, I may or may not. See, I mean, I get mm-hmm. there's so much stuff I get buried in. Uh, but go to the our Instagram on uh, Beyond the Battlefield. Same with Facebook mm-hmm. or the website. You know, and, it, and, and those tags or or whatever would be like at Beyond the Battlefield. Is that what? It no, is? I think it's. I think we have it just Beyond the Battlefield. I believe. Okay. Cool. So, and then again, the tigenfoundation.org or even my website. I think there's a, I think there's email address where you can be able to get a hold of us. And that's just johntigen.com. Gotcha. But yeah. Gotcha. Cool. Cool. Um, hopefully you don't mind if I ask you about Benghazi. And the reason why is because I think, um, it was a conspiracy, right? It's important for people to, <laughs> well, you tell me. I think it's important for people to, to know the truth and to know, you know, what happened. And uh, also to to recognize the acts of valor that occurred over there. I mean, what, what thoughts do you have about all that? You know, I mean, the sad thing is how the government handled it mm-hmm. afterwards. You know, if they would just came out and told the truth, I think it would have been a lot better. Because, you know, again, you can't control what other people do, for one. But, you know, they came out and lied, said it was a protest. There's, there's no protest at all that night. And now they finally, what? Came, they came out and finally said, yes, there's no protest. Um, right. These were guys that were intent on coming and, yeah. and attacking you guys. It was a straight-on assault. And, yeah. You know, they lied to the family members at the uh, at the, the home – well, not the, I want to say the homecoming. The, um, geez, the transfer from Germany back to uh, home, you know, right there in the tarmac as their you know, bodies are coming off. They're lying to them. It's right then on what happened and why it happened, you know, what happened to their family members, you know, so – it's uh, it's pretty disgusting. You know, we were told to well, I was told to stand down, which pretty much means we were told to stand down by the chief of base. I don't think it was came from anywhere else. Uh, you're looking 15 minutes into the attack, and there's there's no way that you know that last administration could process process anything that fast. Mm-hmm. So it, that was just the chief of base, and that's where that one came came from. Yeah. Um, we were at, it was two different locations. You know, you had the, the consulate and then you had the CIA annex. It wasn't all, we weren't co-located. Mm-hmm. Um, our job was not to protect the State Department or the U.S. ambassador. So technically, if one of us would have got killed over at the consulate, it's a, probably about a 99% chance that the insurance wouldn't have paid out because we were outside of our scope of duty. Mm-hmm. But, of course, we don't, you know, we didn't care anyways, but to kind of give people more of a, insight to that because people i know you hear it all the time well you guys left the ambassador it was your job no that was not our job that was the state department's job we did our job and then some right um so you know, we got a pretty much we repelled one assault at the con- well we repelled two assaults at the consulate the initial one that we showed up on and then we had counter assaulted then over at the cia annex we repelled three more assaults so, mm-hmm. and we ended up you know we lost four americans two navy seals the ambassador and sean smith right so yeah, uh, obviously a tragic uh, day in, in this nation's uh, history, and probably more so, like you said, because of the lies that were told, which were done for political expediency. Yeah, I mean, because right? it didn't fit the narrative. Yeah, I mean, they could have had assets there. They could have had support there, but they just 
you know, mm-hmm. lack of lack of leadership, dereliction of duty, and just really not understanding the true situation of that country. Mm-hmm. You know, they they said well, was, they they didn't want to send U.S. military there in uniform because they didn't want to upset the local populace. Well, if they knew anything about the local populace, they were actually happy that we were there. So, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> How has your life? Changed or been altered by the events yeah. of that night? <laughs> well, I'm sitting there talking. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, you know, it's definitely, it's way different. I still don't know what the hell heck I'm doing. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm pretty much just going day by day, seeing what happens. <laughs> you know, went from a quiet kind of, you know, always sit behind and just watch to having to pretty much kind of come forward and talk, mm-hmm. you know, kind of put myself out there, I guess. Yeah. So it's, yeah, I'm still not used to it. Which you've done a very good job, by the way, for yeah. the podcast here. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've, you know, last three years I've kind of grown. <laughs> so. Yeah. We, we but, managed to get some, some words out of your mouth. Yeah. So if you watch the movie, yeah. how I, you know, how I, you got the, my character was always in the background. Yeah. Really, I was always in the background. I've never, I was like, whatever. Because you work with around a bunch of alpha males. I'm like, there's no reason to have another one. You know, I know my job. I know they don't know what they're doing. They can just—I I always let them duke it out. I really didn't care. So, <laughs> just tell me what to do, where to be, when to be yeah. there. Who's the threat? What's yeah. the threat? I, uh, okay, <laughs> I got it. Yeah, good. So that's awesome, man. Yeah. Well, we appreciate your service and everything you've done and everything you've done since. We encourage uh, again, folks, to head on over to the Foundation dot org. Uh, support. John here, support his team, support those that are trying to make a difference in the lives of veterans and others uh, that really need the help. And uh, commend you, brother, for, for every, everything you're doing. And so my pleasure, my honor to sit here and talk to you about it and to enjoy this weekend with you. So oh, yeah. thank you very much. Thank you. Appreciate it, man.